Welcome. You are listening to Newswire's SU Election Special 2019. Hello and welcome back to Newswire. I'm Aoife O'Brien and I'm joined today by Ashling Fagan, Keen Conroy and Cindy Luna Chen, who are all running for DCU Student Union's Vice President for Welfare and Equality. So Ashling, I'm going to start with you if that's okay. Mm-hmm. You were Vice President for Welfare and Equality for the past academic year. Yeah. You've decided to rerun for the same position. Mm-hmm. Can you explain why you've decided this? Yeah. Um, so it was a, a quite a tough decision to decide to rerun, but then it also wasn't at the same time um, because I love my job. I love what I do. I absolutely loved working um, in the union this year um, and everything, all the ups and downs throughout the year made it such an unforgettable experience and one that I want to continue. Um, the year's experience made me realise that one year isn't enough time to make any long term proper change. Um, and I feel like continuing, there, there's a massive culture in every other like, college and university f- with, with rerunning in student unions, but it doesn't seem to be a thing in DCU. Um, and kind of meeting all those people throughout the year and seeing the two terms and seeing how much change can actually, you can make within that time, um, put it kind of planted the seed in my head and then ma- made me really, really want to just continue and keep going with all the things and build on everything that we've done so far this year. Do you perhaps think then that maybe the position should be extended to a two-year role? Like realistically, it would be amazing because I think it would benefit everyone. It would benefit the candidates. It would benefit um, staff in the university. It would benefit everyone. But then it also wouldn't really, it couldn't really work because then say if I had a two-year term, someone in final year then wouldn't be able to run for the position. So it kind of takes away the opportunity from some people if it was a two-year term. But um, it, it would it would make sense. Um, the continuity just, it makes a big, big difference. Um to, to everyone involved. Okay, so Keen, you're running against a, candid- a candidate who has a full year of experience as Vice President for Welfare and Equality. Why do you believe that you're better suited to and more capable of carrying out this position? I'd say it all comes down to I, well, not just me, but the students who were students for the past year lived through the problems, saw the problems, they know what the problems are that need to be solved. So. Me, as an example of running, I, I saw things that need to be changed. Unlike, and it's no, I'm not dissing what you've done, whatsoever. you've done a fantastic job, but for a student coming in, they would have a fresher view of what needs to be changed because they're the ones living it. So for me, I feel like I'm the best candidate because I am the person who lived through those problems and who wants to change those problems to better everybody else's experience. And Cindy, I'm going to pose the same question to you. Why are you better suited to the role? I would have a really similar answer as Keen, and like Ashling's done a great job as well. Like, but I do think that there are, I like what Keen said. Like the new students, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little. Um, I would have kind of a similar experience with students that are incoming, and even just students who are moving on up through the years. And I do think as well that I as part of my manifesto I want to introduce a peer mentoring program that's like available to every student and I think that would just be a great addition to the resources that we already have and just be a great support for students whether they be first years or just current ones. 
Okay, so Keen, I'm going to come back to you again for a minute. So in terms of accommodation, you said that measures need to be put in place to combat issues that arise from accommodation pages, such as the DCU accommodation page, where students are often taken advantage of. However, because it's private landlords and homeowners that generally post on these pages, is this something that you're going to be able to moderate? Well, it is the DCU accommodation page. So um, the welfare officer is the admin of it. So they see what's being posted, they see who wants to post and they have to approve it. So what I want to do is I want to, let's say there's a house that's 800 euro a month, for example. I'd be like, okay, can you send me pictures just to like justify your price? Because I want students to get the fairest deal, like within their means to live in this accommodation. So if they send pictures, blah, blah, they justify the reason. I'd be like, yeah, you can do that. But if not, I'd be like, listen, that is far too expensive for students you are taking advantage of them this is not right so I feel like you should not be allowed to post there because as admin you have that power do you think with the current accommodation crisis that we're in that taking away these houses possibly is going to create more problems or do you think that possibly it will help to solve it well it would have but both effects would be there because when you solve something a problem does arise so if they see that, oh, maybe that is too expensive, they could lower the prices. If not, they could go somewhere else. Okay. So, Ashling, last year, accommodation played a huge part in your campaign Mm -hmm. and you actually proposed to introduce a part-time accommodation officer. Now, this hasn't been achieved as of yet, but accommodation isn't listed as part of your manifesto this year. Can you explain maybe why? Um, So, firstly, on the last point, um, or on the first, Firstly, on the first point. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was looked into and it wasn't realistic. But um, for the summer coming, um, the help desk staff are going to be trained in everything that the part-time officer would have been doing. So, because the main, the main time that help is needed and the main time that, like, the main workload for the welfare and equality officer when it comes to accommodation is during the summer. So that bit of help from the help desk staff will be incredibly, incredibly helpful because it's, it's phone calls, it's all paperwork and admin and things like that. So um, so that will be a big help there. So that's kind of that basically. But um, I didn't make it a big point because it's always going to be there. It's always going to be such an important issue. And I didn't feel the need, like it's it, it comes with the with the role. I, di- I didn't feel the need to to go into too much detail in and manifesto. It was 500 words. We had to keep it short and sweet. And I wanted to put everything else in there. And I, I did, yeah, I didn't feel the need to stress it. Of, of course, it's still a massive issue and will be and everyone will be working towards um, doing all we can to to work on that issue. Um, I just didn't think that it needed to, needed to go into too much detail in it in the manifesto. So that's yeah. Perfect. So Cindy, you had put in your manifesto, you kind of echoed Ashling's manifesto from last year that you would like to see the introduction of a part-time accommodation officer. Do you think that possibly you should have looked into this before you prepared your manifesto or do you still think it's possible? I still think that it would, could be possible to do and especially it would be brilliant because obviously to have a part-time officer who's also, you know, a student and they do I suppose in a way understand the crisis of looking for accommodation a little better and um, I just think that it would be really nice to have someone who's very that's kind of their that's their main their main role to help people with um, issues with landlords because I know a lot of people at the moment who are you know having issues with their leases and their landlords and just it's nice to have someone who's that's what their job is that their role is dedicated to and have just someone to very clearly outline that you can turn to if you need any help and to budget your finances and stuff like that and do you think the help desk alone would not be sufficient in this 
I think if it would be possible, I would. It would be brilliant to have just someone who is, who just that is their main purpose. But I do think that it would the help desk could definitely do it as well. But if possible, I would really like to see the introduction of a part time accommodation officer. Brilliant. So, Ashling, you placed a huge emphasis this past year on consent and mm-hmm. consent workshops. Yeah. And you have added this year that tackling antisocial behaviour on campus and toxic group chat culture is also a priority. Yeah. Can you explain how you're going to combat this or what this means? Yeah, so the the group chat thing kind of came up this year. We There was a lot of um, bullying cases that emerged this year um, that came from group chats. Um, a lot of it was kind of first years and um, kind of at the start of the year, so you can kind of see that that, that could happen because obviously the people are fresh out of secondary school, it's all very new. Um, but it, it, it has become an issue and I think it always has been an issue I don't know if people but people maybe weren't aware that they could um, bring it forward because it, there's a lot to do with um, kind of social media and cyberbullying within the respect and dignity policy so I think when people knew that they could do something about it they people did start to do it um, so that was I think creating awareness and just working on that it, it seems it's a national issue we saw it we've seen it everywhere we've seen it we saw it in the, in the Patty Jackson trial like that was a very kind of a big example of of the the toxic uh, group chat culture so I think creating awareness about it and people need to be aware of the effects of social media and that when they post something it is it's there and it, it won't disappear and when you've said it you've said it you can't like once you say something you can't really take it back especially when it's on social media and people need to be aware of the effects that that is having on others um, because it's been a, a huge huge issue it's been brought to us by staff students um, and lots of lots of different people so that was the kind of the main um, one of the focuses there and then with consent um, again it, it's a massive issue it's, it's a culture issue so again the workshops are amazing and we'll continue to do them as much as we can but we need to work on a national level and there is um, there is work being done on a national level on getting um, a national framework Im- implemented and getting consent education embedded in, in within the university and not having to leave it up to five sabbatical officers um, to be in charge of trying to educate everyone about it because that's um, everyone should be receiving this education in second level um, and they're not but hopefully hopefully soon it's, it's being worked on in the Oireachtas at the minute that um, that it will become um, a national framework so fingers crossed If I come back to the toxic group Sorry, chat yeah. culture for a minute do you believe that people are not aware that what is being put out there is there for good do you not think this message has already been driven home you would think so, but it just it doesn't seem to be. And that like screen recording and screenshots being sent around, like you, you think that some, so if you say something about someone that they won't see it, but it can always get to them. And it has in, in several cases that we've seen this year. And it's had really, really terrible effects on people. Um, so I think just creating more awareness around it and asking people to be more conscious and to be nicer in some cases it, it comes back to that um but yeah I think definitely creating awareness about that is and how is, will that awareness be created that's the question <laughs> um, I suppose continuing with kind of campaigns and things that we, like the instruct in the ways that we've we've done um during the year and the in the ways that officers before us have done as well um social media campaign like social media campaigns about social media because that's where everyone is and where they'll see it um and yeah I think going down that route okay so, Keen, in your manifesto, you've said that you want to introduce sex education for members of the LGBTQ plus community. How is this information going to be distributed? So, <clears throat> this information, so 
as Ashton said, um, social media is a great platform. But not only that, it should be available through the DCU websites, all of them. So if the information is there and it's DCU certified, it shows it's credible that these students know where to look for it. But also not only that, there should be talks given. Like, do you know when you're in school and you're given the talk? Do you know? Absolutely, yes. Now, when I was in school, I didn't get the talk I needed. Because okay. as someone who's part of the LGBT, uh, LGBTQ plus community, the sex education I got was more towards the, the heterosexual side. And sex is a big part of college. It is. As like condoms are handed out every day, we have, we have STI and information like that available we don't have how to have like safe sex. safe sex the property like how make sure you're doing it right i know it sounds very like um humorous but it is a very serious issue because a lot of people it breaks your confidence it does break your confidence when you're like i can't do that because i don't know what to do and i want to build people's confidence to make them happier to make them comfortable in the decisions they're making do you think that that is something that is kind of solely focused towards the LGBTQ plus community? No, because there are people, some people I know who, because of the schools they went to, whether they be very Christian, they didn't get the education they need. And these are like heterosexual people. They did not receive what they needed. It was very, it was stripped back what they got. They got the basics. And it, it wouldn't only be focused on um, the LGBTQ the, I always get that wrong the LGBTQ plus community because that would be unfair it's all about it's inclusive sex education it's not focused sex education so everyone's included in it and is it someone on campus that is going to maybe distribute this information give the talks who is going to be qualified to and certified to give this information and make sure that it's factually correct well we'd have to we'd have to look around. We'd have to see who in the university is educated on it. If not, we could get someone in who could find information and go like, yeah, this is credible, publish that. And not only that, you could get speakers in, just people to help. Because what these, what we need is help. Sometimes help is given from the inside, sometimes given from the outside. Fantastic. So Cindy, I'm gonna come back to you again for a minute. Um, you have stated that you want to hold more diversity weeks across campus. Could you talk me through what this would entail? Would that be separate weeks dedicated to various minority groups? And if so, how are you going to select what groups get to be celebrated? Um, well, for me, I, the whole reason why I wanted more inclusive diversity groups is because obviously I'm Chinese and um, just it's the lack of kind of the D SU has already done great things trying to do diversity but I really do think it could be improved on um, because represent representation really matters and um, like I said in my manifesto if I got elected I would be the first female ethnic minority to be a sabbatical officer which I think would be brilliant like um, growing up in or even just living in a country where you are a minority is a very big deal to you it might not be a big deal to other people but you're very aware of it and especially then like recently we did have a diversity week with diversity foods and i thought it was great that they were showcasing that but i really do think that we could do better and work with societies that are like the lgbt society the chinese society is um islamic society all those societies and work with the members or the chairpersons to showcase just even history about the the country or the religion or whatever and 
because it's all about kind of spreading knowledge so it's because the societies are very much just people in those groups will join them but not much not many people that are not and it would be brilliant i think to have more information weeks just to see make them seem a little less you know shrouded in mystery and um i would love to be able to do obviously like a whole week for each group but obviously that is probably not very feasible but even if you could have two groups sharing a week or a couple of groups but i just do think that it is just so important to have everyone represented really well because it really just is so important and it really does matter to have the correct representation and a lot of these minority groups have societies where they get together and they meet up during the week have you spoken to them about how they would interact with a celebration week um i've spoken to just some people not the like chairs i haven't been able to get around to that and because i know everyone's busy but i have spoken to people i know in those groups and just um they would want i think the best thing to do is just go with what obviously their best ideas but it's um but the best thing to do i think would just be have just share the information around because that's just the best way to do it and also even just like what they did previously like you know foods from that group or stuff like that um just anything that they want and anything that they feel is the best way to show and obviously a lot of these societies they have quite a small membership in comparison to our bigger societies yeah. like dance or esoc so it would be more difficult for them to kind of prepare events and get everything organized what support do you think as a sabbatical you would be able to give them would you be able to give them the work power and the man load i would love to try and be able to do that because i do know that they are quite smaller in size but i feel that as well even though there aren't that many people as in as a member there are they all like people have friends that are just like i'm of chinese but not in the chinese society because i just haven't had the time to dedicate but if something like this they that they needed help for making an event like i know people everyone has connections and they can it like i feel like that people who aren't even in the societies would love to help out and i i if i was elected i would love to be able to help out too as in, in any way i can to make sure that they could be represented and have the and i would dedicate the, all of my time my time equally to them to make sure that they are able to get everything together and hold the events fantastic so ashling you said that you would like to look into the feasibility of stocking pureo and pep in the campus pharmacy in order to reduce the stigma around hiv mm-hmm. however as far as i'm aware pep is not available through the hse in ireland at the moment and its generic counterpart is only available on foot of a doctor's prescription at a price of 1440 euro a year how feasible do you think this strategy is for students um so this year I've kind of worked quite closely with um Robbie Lawler who's a, a big HIV advocate a lot of people might have seen him on the late late 2 weeks ago he's doing his PhD in DCU um and he is very um vocal in kind of changing that culture that surrounds HIV especially in Ireland um it's been such a taboo subject like since everyone can remember people still are bit, like the relationship between HIV and AIDS people still don't really know um so i think the fact that the conversation is even being had about HIV is fantastic and um 
instilling a culture of getting tested and, and like that's with STI checks and with HIV it would be a massive massive aim because it, again that's another thing that just isn't really talked about and it's so 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 important um I am so kind of the aim that HIV Ireland have been kind of promoting is getting tested every three months um so that's why I had the rapid HIV testing in as well because bringing that to people rather than them, them having to go and seek it out is fantastic and as well like with having the free STI tests in the in the health center is a big kind of a big promotion for people to actually go and do it um and then the feasibility of prep and pep like again that was why i said look into the feasibility of it um there are i know a lot of students who are taking it and who have got prescriptions because they want to <laughs> essentially because it's it's how we reach zero in ireland this is what the conversation is about so having it there at their doorstep on the campus pharmacy would be fantastic um it may not be feasible but looking into it um and we have a very close relationship with the pharmacy and with the health center in dcu and with organizations like hiv ireland as well so um promoting that culture of getting tested and then hopefully having it right there for people when they do need it um there there, there could be a financial strength there um constraint even um so that that could be an issue but it, having it available and having the opportunity there um would be key if it was a case that you were able to kind of source prep that it was going to be available in the pharmacy currently that sells at 400 euro a month Mm. would there be any way do you think that the su would be able to bring down that price would there be negotiations what do you think would be able to happen there there absolutely could be like it's it's always it's always an um an option and um, think like we've been paying we've been paying for the SDI tests all year so like that's the union's money that pays for the tests so they're, that they're free for students we we want everyone to be safe we want people to have these opportunities um so we that is absolutely something that can be looked into 100% fantastic so keen you want to introduce a commuters hub on campus where students will be able to make food and meet new people so does this mean you want a kitchen installed somewhere on campus or even just whether it be a microwave, kettles, just somewhere for them to go so they can bring their own food so they're not spending money on campus because the food they'll be taking will probably be more healthier than what you'd get, like your chicken fillet roll, your pizza. You know, it's it's not only for them to make new friends, but for them to save money and to be healthier because commuters are often forgotten. They are They probably make up the majority of students in DCU and commuters, most commuters drop out because they feel like, they don't belong in college. They're not getting the same college experience everyone else is getting. Like, I've had, I've lived on campus. I've lived in Dublin for the past three years, and I feel like I am part of this university. But commuters, they don't. So it's important that we have somewhere for them to go, somewhere for them for them to chill. Because like, yes, we have the U. There is lots of space there, but there's nothing to do there. Do you know? It's amazing that we have the facilities, but to accommodate these commuters to make sure that they're not wasting their time just sitting about that they're active that they're getting engaged that is very very important okay and from speaking to commuters myself a lot of the time one of the major problems with commuters is that they struggle to get involved in society life because events generally happen in the evening time and they have to catch buses home do you think this would be enough to fill that void well you have to start somewhere Uh, like you have to lay down the foundations first for anything to happen so would it, it would not be enough to begin with, but if we could get that in place, then later on we could look at, okay, maybe we will hold more events during the day. Because I know when Christine's, Christine Farrell is one of the presidents, she wants more daytime activities. So both of these goals could work together to accommodate these commuters. 
Okay, and if we come back to the feasibility of it just for a moment, have you looked into where you would put this hub? Like campus can be very overstretched as yeah. it is. We often don't have spare rooms, spare Mac labs. So where where do you envisage this going? Well, the U, because that is the student centre. Now, I know on the top floor, I think, there is a little kitchenette Okay. in the entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship hub. Yeah, there's a little kitchenette there, but there's nothing there. So even there's lots of like the cooling room, those rooms, there's one on the top floor as well that's just not used. So if we could bring in something there, it's one room and it's dedicated to all these students for them to use. Because just because all the students have to use them doesn't mean we have to forget about others. Fantastic. So Cindy, I'll bring the final question to you. Um, Earlier you mentioned you would like to introduce a peer-led mentoring scheme. However, as the workload for students tends to increase with each consecutive year of study, will older students be willing to dedicate time to participate in this on top of their already existing workload and possibly society life as well? I think that's a very good point to make, but I do think that it's kind of um, students are more willing to help than you think. And the thing is, once you uh, because I've been helping out where uh, the charity I volunteer at to help with a peer-led mentoring scheme there so I, so the idea is that you would have a very intensive training at the start which I know is long and people have things to do but after that you would only have to dedicate maybe an hour or two of your time like and it's on maybe once a week or maybe every two weeks it's very much dependent on the peer mentor and the peer mentees their relationship and what they think would work out the best for them and um, the thing is the peer-led mentoring schemes have already are already a thing in like UCD and Trinity and from speaking to people going there they and people who've benefited from the service or been a uh, mentor they found like I've spoken to someone who was training to be a mentor and she said that yes it is hard and but it is one of those things where you will get so much benefit from it and the, your mentee will benefit from it too and it's such good experience for your CV and just gives you the chance to help someone out because I feel like a lot of students who even though they are busy would have been in my position because the reason why as well that I wanted to introduce a peer mentoring system was because like I was floating around in first year very just kind of confused and just a bit lonely and didn't have many friends and it didn't just last and like first year didn't finish and I was like oh everything's great now it kept going into second year and I know that it's not just a first year thing like it happens to everyone in any year and I think students a lot of that will relate to that and I think a lot of students will would like the opportunity to be able to help someone out in that way um, because they related to it and you know um it's just brilliant and i think uh, as well the whole one of the biggest reasons why is because when you know i was when i was in first year and second year and struggling and i was telling like my mom or my friends they would just be say things like oh it'll be better and you know everything will be fine soon which is nice to hear but it's at the same time sometimes you do just want someone to empathize with you and as well the like the peer mentors they can they would just be a listening ear and they're just they're understanding because they're a fellow student and it's as well it's just a friendly face to see on campus and the peer mentors they won't be after the training it's just they're just more of a friend and they're not there to counsel or anything but they're just there for to just have a chat and just make 
you, if you're struggling, feel like you've just got a bit of extra support. And who would implement this training? Who would carry it out? Um, I would see, I've done quite a bit of work with trying to implement it, um, just trying to develop it at the charity I work at. And I would, so I know a fair deal about it, but I also would have, uh, I also would have um, connections I know that are, a lot obviously better versed and better have more knowledge in how to develop a peer mentoring training program and um, it might be from inside help because there's obviously we have a great um, counseling service and they are the counselors are very knowledgeable in this and they would be such a great help too if they would have the time to help out with this and even just um, with uh, the mental health society they obviously do such a great deal with this and I think that it would be great if I could have some of their help to faci facilitate this if possible and just even outside help would be brilliant any help is great like fantastic so i'd just like to open the floor to each of you again individually just to raise any issues that maybe you feel weren't covered in the debate or just to kind of urge people to vote for you now when the elections open so we'll start with you ashling yeah sure um <clears throat> i suppose just to any listeners you guys are <laughs> this is very intense. <laughs> um, yeah, just to, to any listeners out there, I suppose, just to kind of um, to emphasise the the role that I've done f so far this year. And even if I wasn't to be re-elected, I still do have a, a lot of months left and things that will still be done. And like everything isn't over next Thursday when whoever gets elected. So that's just a side note as well. There's still a lot more to do. It's not all been done yet. But if I was to be re-elected, I think it would just make such a difference to be able to continue that into next year. Um, the experience that I've had this year, the the ups and downs, the, su the successes and failures, it all really, really adds up. And I think it would make such a difference for next year. Like I've built up those relationship relationships with staff and I'm a, like, you know, done a lot of training and then can build on that further. Um, so I would say that um, I do think the my passion and dedication to the role um, kind of does make me the, the best person for the job. So I would love if everyone could vote for Ashley next Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday on loop. Fantastic. Okay, Cindy? Um, I just want people to know that I have just so much personal experiences with the reason why anything's on my manifesto is because I have just such a kind of per very personal connection with it. And um, I really just think that everything that I want to do is just... I it would benefit just everyone so much and the thing uh, the thing is like even with just stuff like diversity week i it's obviously been a big part of my whole life and and um i feel like just having this voice who really really knows it very much um is really important and i just think that uh it would just be uh very lovely for a very um lovely for students to have these supports like peer mentoring and everything available to them to help them out and uh it's just been um sorry You're okay. <laughs> um uh I just have such a you know I know this these issues that I've in my manifesto really well and I'd love just just to love to see them in action and I would just love people to vote for me on loop on from the 5th to the 7th next week Fantastic. I'm keen to wrap up the show. Oh, a lot of pressure. <laughs> um, similar to Cindy, I have lived through the problems. I've seen things that have gone wrong. I've seen things that have gone right. 
but I know what needs to be done in my manifesto. My manifesto comes from a very personal place, but it also comes from the students. I went around and asked the students, like, what would you like? What do you think needs to be changed? And for me to get that feedback from these students, I want to help them. I want to give them the best opportunity possible to be happy in DCU because everyone in DCU deserves to live their wildest dreams. Everyone deserves to prosper. But most of all, everyone in DCU deserves to be happy. But sometimes they need a little help and I want to be there to help them. So next week, on from Tuesday to Thursday, the 5th to the 7th, please vote me number one VP for welfare. Equality. <laughs> Fantastic. So thank you so much to all my guests today, Keen Conroy, Ashling Fagan and Cindy Luna Chen. And thank you all for tuning into Newswire.